Hello everyone, it's Adam from Reprofod24 here again with my 11th, 12th in fact, episode of Meeting the 92. It's my long journey around the English leagues this year and I've come to a club that is close to my heart. It's close to my home in Staffordshire, just up the road there on the way up the M1 to Mansfield. Now I'm with Craig Priest from Mansfield Matters. Good afternoon. Oh, it's good evening now, isn't it, over there, Craig? How you doing, mate? It can be, it can be any time. It can be good morning. It's a podcast. That's the beauty of them. They go out whenever they want. So we'll say good, morning, good afternoon, good evening and good night. Brilliant, brilliant, really. Anyway, man, thanks for, thanks for agreeing to do this today, first of all. And I hope, I hope everything's okay over there. I mean, the podcast itself, we say we were just talking and, I mean, Mansfield Matters, kind of I guess it evolved into a podcast after doing other things how long have you been involved with it yeah so Mansfield Matters as a brand as a brand name has been going since 2011 when I was doing uh, commentaries for a, a local charity radio station when the Stags were in non-league um, we carried that on all the way through until promotion so we saw uh, managed to commentate at Wembley in the FA Trophy final which was a fantastic experience um, using this microphone actually which is I've managed to keep it it's one of my own keepsakes um, playoffs the season after then we got promoted uh, after that it stopped because we were only a charity so we couldn't really afford the, the rights and stuff uh, but we kept on doing like little blogs and stuff on the website which I've always done since a, a young age Um then other work commitments sort of got in the way for me personally, along with some some personal stuff. Um, so it, it stopped for a while. Uh, and then a couple of seasons ago, uh, I was working at a local commercial radio station, being like the producer of their sports show on a Saturday. So I was still listening to the games, but I wasn't there. I was just in the studio. And then on a Saturday afternoon with a couple of games to go before the end of the season, they said, do you want to come along and be like the pundit this afternoon? And I jumped to the chance to get out and turned to my, my colleague at the time and said, mate, there's not a chance that I'm ever going back in that studio. I'm uh, I'm coming back to games and I've not missed a game since. That was four seasons ago now. Uh, obviously, missed the whole of last season with, with COVID not being able to go, but uh, still watched every match. And the podcast sort of followed that, really. It was an excuse mm. for me because I really struggled, if I'm being open and honest, with my mental health mm-hmm. um, and sort of mixing with, with fans and stuff. After so long away, I was really, really cautious and, and things like that. So the podcast gave me an excuse to sort of get out and meet new people and talk to people and... Um, got my best friend on board um, who's blind and uh, who also uh, Nathan who also sort of struggled at the time with with integrating with football it gave him an excuse we got another lad on board and then somebody else and it sort of grew from there originally sort of um, the original form of it was sort of a weekly episode to talk about the news and, and everything and give our reaction to the game each week and then last season it just absolutely blew up because there were no fans able to be at the ground we came up with the idea of harnessing the thing which was missing which was that raw emotion before and after a game so we did a warm-up show on our Facebook live that's the unique thing about our podcast as far as I'm aware nobody else does it in the way we do it which is to give the fans a live voice so we almost do it like a phone-in radio show so it's broadcast live on our Facebook page and then goes out on the audio platform so fans can interact there and then with what we're saying which is great and we use that and utilize that uh, last season especially a little bit in the pre-match stuff because there wasn't too much going off but definitely in the post-match stuff we had a post-match reaction show we called it the cool down um 15 minutes after the full-time whistle straight on raw emotions were, were flying left right and center and it was absolutely brilliant win lose or draw 
we got so many interactions and it really, 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 really grew and, and was great. It'll be a shame to see that go next season because obviously fans are allowed back now. So we'll be going back to games, but uh, we've we've grown our audience a little bit and, and things like that. And as a side, we've also done a little series called Stag Stories and uh, Memory Lane, which we've raised a bit of money for various charities and get X managers players on to give their story about the time of the club which has allowed us to do so many great things and, and speak to so many great people so lots of different things but primarily it's about giving fans a voice we say it's you know your say and your team because Mansfield matters and, and that's what it'll always be whether one person views it or or a thousand or a hundred or whatever we don't care because for us three or four as a group it's an ideal time to sit down and have a conversation when we've perhaps wouldn't do you know in the week about football and mm-hmm. and then it just grows and the amount of people which come up to you on a match day and say oh listen to the podcast last week or whatever it's great I love it and do you know what tomorrow night as we speak now it's our first pre-season friendly where fans are going to be allowed we've got Retford away and I'm more buzzing for that than I was for the Euros finals and and I cannot wait to get there tomorrow and see so many people I I, I won't sleep tonight and, and that's not a joke I genuinely won't sleep can't wait <laughs> Oh, that's absolutely brilliant. Brilliant. Oh, all credit to you. And it's great, great to hear, you know, the podcasts like this providing such a tool, a vehicle for fans to keep the communication going, especially over this last 12 months. I think you agree in general, sort of, there's been this explosion over the COVID era and the podcasts have been a great tool for many clubs for supporters to keep sort of in communication and have, as you, as, as you said quite rightly, this this weekly conversation or listen to a weekly conversation about the things that people would have been talking in the pub or somewhere else where they would have been socialising during the week, I think. Do, do you yeah, see that's it like the, that? Yeah, that's the great thing about it, really. I mean, some clubs, you know, have produced the podcast in-house, which, which is great, but a lot of fans have sort of, you know, taken to media. I mean, you don't need a massive lot of equipment to set up a podcast, just a even you can just record it off your, off your iPhone or your Android or whatever and, and, you, and you're good to go. Um, I'm fortunate because I come from a, like a, a broadcasting background that we've sort of got a bit more of a more pro setup. We've got cameras, lights, you know, different mixing desks and things, but it, it doesn't matter. I think, you know, those people who have harnessed the power of social media, whether that's Twitch, YouTube, um, Twitter, Facebook Live, whatever, or, or whether they've just kept it as an audio platform like Podbean or, or SoundCloud or, or, or iTunes or whatever. They've done it for, for good. And I think subconsciously, whether they intended to or not, they've brought a lot of people together and, and given a lot of people um, something to look forward to, something to listen to and, and something to, uh, to be grateful for. So, uh, you know, in terms of Mansfield, I, I, I'm proud to, to, to be a part of that. And anyone that, that does it, you know, I take my hat off to them because there's a lot of work which goes in behind the scenes, but it does make a does make a difference, and and that's what matters. That's good to hear. Good to hear. Um, now, obviously, you've been a fan fan for many many years, even at your young age. Um, Mansfield, for me, I was slightly older than you. I, I I always remember. You know, they've always been that sort of yo-yo club, being up in League One, League Two, non-league, bouncing around. Over over sort of my lifetime, you know, what are the sort of the key your your, your favourite memories from Man? You know, the recent history for Mansfield. I think for me, a lot of it is, is um, you know when we were in the conference. Like I said before, I was fortunate to commentate on that, so that gave me a lot of good memories. I got to do it with my my best friend alongside me as well. She was uh, a great help during that. That gave us a lot of personal memories, which was fantastic. 
Um, but seeing us evolve as a club, you know, in sort of the late noughties, you know, 08, 07, 08, we had Keith Haslam, the, the, the chairman then, who, you know, did various bits and bobs. I don't know all the politics. I was quite young, but it wasn't a nice club. It didn't feel like a, a nice atmosphere. Spent a couple of years with different owners, local businessmen who were trying to keep the club going. And then John Radford um, came in and the club has absolutely changed. John, Carolyn, fantastic owners, ploughed money in to get the stadium back into, into Stags fans' hands. You know, the stadium's a completely different place now. They've built a training facility, which is easily the best in League Two, probably the best in League One as well, and probably even championship standard, which is is something to be really proud of. The community's got behind the club. A couple of seasons ago, you know, we came very good, very close to sealing promotion. We lost out on the final day, you know, losing 1-0 at MK Dons. Um, that was a great season to follow. We've brought some good players through as well. Last couple of seasons on the pitch haven't been as great because we've had a bit of a hangover from that. But we're in a really good place now going into the new campaign. Nigel Clough in charge. We'd have never dreamed of getting him as manager a few seasons ago. And, you know, he's, he's really bringing in some, some good ideas and we really can't wait to see see what happens. It's just a, a nice club to support now. And there's, yeah, there's a little bit of pressure every season. A lot of other clubs see us and go, oh, well, the Radfords are throwing money at it. They're really not. They're really not. Um, yes, they've thrown money at it in the past to sort of try and keep the, the club afloat and to try and, you know, get us up the league. And certainly in the conference, we, we spent big and, and brought players uh, for the sake of having them in the club. But certainly now that they're developing and, and they've learned and, um, you know, that they've they've got the right people running the club behind the scenes. And it, it's uh, it's certainly an exciting club to go and follow. And uh, the next couple of years, I would definitely expect to see us uh, in League One and try and become... Uh, a stable club in there. I mean, you look at, you know, the likes of Accrington who were in League Two for ages, struggled to get out, and now they're a solid League One mm. club. Who'd have thought that on the budget that they had? There are a good couple of examples in there as well. So I think that's the aim. It's definitely a slow burner. We're not one which is going to have this, you know, rise up, up, up the table and then drop straight back down because that's what would happen. It's uh, it's about building for the future and leaving a legacy. And uh, it, it's beautiful to be a part of that journey. That's great. That's great. You mentioned there sort of, you know, how the Radfords have made the club a little bit more friendly, um, or a lot more friendly compared to the Haslam days in particular. But I mean, how did they, how did they reach out to the supporters? How did they sort of keep the supporters engaged when compared to sort of the, the previous, the previous owners? What, what sort of things did they do? And are supporters, well, are supporters involved in the running of the club? Not particularly. Um, I think they've, they've definitely, definitely what their views go into account because John and Carolyn have the, the club very much at heart. Can't say too much about how it was from previously because I was too young. I don't yeah. know. I, I don't understand. But certainly from John and Carolyn's perspective, they're very open. They're very honest. They're very approachable people. You know, they've worked very, very hard to take the one core stadium as it is now um, and make it a nice place to visit on a match day. The club have won various awards for match day experiences and stuff like that. Um, Family experiences and things like that. And that's the credit to them because they're putting the right people in in place. Um, Supporters were worried maybe a couple of seasons ago because the Radfords decided for their family that they wanted to move out to Portugal, which they've now done and now settled. They've got three boys, um, but that doesn't affect the way they, they run the club. They've put David Sharp, um, who, of course, used to be at Wigan, is the grandson of uh, Dave Whelan, the ex-Wigan owner. Um, he's now CEO of the club. He runs things on a day-to-day basis. They've got a good relationship. Um, 
and they again they're just very open very honest they take into consideration what fans want and the prime example is what they've done with the season tickets and and the gestures from last season obviously we didn't get to go to a game at all yet there were still x amount i think over 1500 myself included who purchased a season ticket but didn't get to go last season um first and foremost john and carolyn um out of their own pocket um, have paid for a special third shirt to be made, which is like a white um, shirt, which they'll play in a number of games, which has got every single name of every single supporter who brought a season ticket. Ah, cool. Um, etched on that, which those fans are going to be given for free at the expense of of the Radfords, which is great. Um, and that that was, you know, reward enough. Um, but then with the season tickets this year, they've did sort of three stages. So actually, um, an adult season ticket for me, only cost me £250, which for League Two football is absolutely fantastic mm-hmm. because that was the early, early bird offers. Then they've done an, another early bird offer to try and get people back and then a normal sort of tier. It's a very reasonable price and they've sort of taken on board everything the fans have had to say and, um, you know, they're really invested in in, in what what they want. They've, you know, they've, they openly have said in the past that they've made mistakes with with managers hiring and, and firing. Um David Flickroft was a, a prime example. Obviously, he was sacked immediately after um, the end of the season when we failed to get promotion. But in hindsight, you know, they've said he, he perhaps should have been given until Christmas. The two years which followed, John Dempster was appointed from the academy, never been a senior manager in his life. Fantastic bloke, fantastic player, top, top, top guy off the pitch, but it just didn't work for him. Um, and then Graham Cochran was brought in, who was another relatively inexperienced manager, and that was an absolute nightmare. He didn't, you know, didn't win a game at the start of last season. Um, after 11 mm-hmm. games, he was gone. It looked like we were relegation fodder. And, you know, rather than rush the appointments as they'd done in the past, they listened to the fans who said, look, please take your time. Please be considerate about this and, and get the right man in and the right team in. And Nigel Clough comes along and everyone's, everyone's happy. <laughs> oh, I can imagine. I can imagine being a Sheffield United fan myself. I, <laughs> I know, I know what a good job he can do when when given time. Now, uh, great. Excuse, just excuse me, indulge me a little bit with this. Uh, you know, a number of our listeners are, are outside the UK, and I, I remember even for me, sort of growing up, uh, Mansfield is one of the places a bit hidden on the map <laughs> of England. Yeah, we're, where where are yeah, you? <laughs> So very much buried in the East Midlands. Um, people call us Northerners. We're not. We're definitely from the East Midlands. So we are pretty much, if you sort of look on a map, we are, if you imagine like a triangle, you've got Nottingham, Derby, Sheffield. Um, we're pretty much in, sandwiched somewhere between uh, between them. So uh, uh, yeah, de- very much hidden, but obviously a massive history in terms of uh, you know mining and things like that and any sort of beer fans out there may remember uh, Mansfield Bitter which was of course brewed in the town for for many a many a year with the the, the brewery sadly it's a housing estate now but it's that oh. was a, a stone throw from the ground so uh, yeah um, somewhere between Nottingham and, and Sheffield but buried in the middle with Derby on the on the border as well but uh, yeah very much uh, in in there now I also I, I'm it's just one of these sort of random facts that just pops up in my head every now and then. When back in back in the day, when I used to read in my old football reference books and that, they used to say Mansfield was the only professional team that didn't have a train station in its uh, in its town. If if that's, I, that's if, wrong, 
that, that's that's very very wrong. Is it? Is it? There is yeah. A, okay. Yeah. Uh, the train station's there. We're there. So, yeah. It's, ah. yeah that's, whoever, if you've still got the receipt for that book, I'd I'm going to send it back. back. I, I definitely yeah, would. Uh, okay. So that, that was me off on a off on a tangent there. Well, uh, so I, I assume what what's the rivalries like with sort of Nottingham Forest, Derby County, and that, and who are you? Who are you sort of fiercest rivalries with? So def- definitely the fiercest is uh, non-league Chesterfield. Yes, non-league <laughs> Chesterfield. Um, uh, you know, and a lot of that stems from sort of the mining history as well. But yeah, there's always been a rivalry mm. with, with them. They're definitely the main ones. Knox County, uh, there was always a little bit of rivalry with, but we we sort of we do get on and then forest a little bit, but not, not so much. Um, they're the, the main three Derby. We seem to, there's not really a rivalry with at all. Um, so we, we tend to get on quite well as, you know, neighboring mm-hmm. teams, whatever you cost, you know, they dislike forest. We dislike County. There's, there's, a, there's a bit of, of that in there. Um, Lincoln perhaps over recent seasons, especially sort of since we've been in the conference, that always tends to, to get a good crowd. They're nice to see them doing well in league one. Um, and then other than that, that's that's pretty much it. People tend to say like Grimsby and Scunthorpe, but it's just that that's just not not really right for me. It's uh, they're just yeah. I, I don't I don't personally see them as rivals. So uh, so yeah. I I would imagine that's a bit of a trek as well to get over get over there. Just a bit, <laughs> yeah. just a bit. Yeah. I bet were were you were you happier that Grimsby got relegated because of the the journey or because of you know. no, I'll tell you. I'll tell you why I'm happy. Grimsby got relegated. Have you ever been to Grimsby? No, fortunately. Well, you, <laughs> well, anyone that has been to Grimsby will will know that their streets are paved in dog poo, and that there's more <laughs> furniture outside Grimsby's terraced houses than what there are on the inside. It's an absolute <laughs> dump, and it, it's a horrible, horrible place, um, which we've been to far too many times. I mean, hardly do well there either. Only the last couple of seasons that we've got a decent result. Also, as a fan, there's nowhere to park around the ground unless you want a 10-mile trek. So, yeah, I was very happy to see them go. Fair enough. Well, well put as well. Well put. Now, I'm just can, can I use the stadium's sort of traditional name for a second? Field Mill, of course. Field Mill. All right. What's 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 the new, what's the new name? So the new name is the One Call Stadium, which is basically John and Carolyn's business. It's John John Radford's insurance firm is One Call oh, okay. Insurance. So it's okay, like all right. Um, Hag, I mean, it's it, it was sort of Mansfield's traditional. It's been the, your traditional home for donkeys years, I think. Forever, um, yeah, yeah. Um, the oldest it? professional football league ground, I think, something like that. Yeah. Wow. Um, I mean, how 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 has it sort of transformed over the years? What's what's it looking like today? Well, it's funny because I only know it as it is. I'm t- I'm only thirty, so I only remember it as, <laughs> as it's been developed. But um, anyone that's been to the One Course Stadium or Field Mill will know um, it's got a big main stand. And when it was redeveloped and redesigned, they made a massive error in that because it stops the sun from getting from the pitch. Which is why after sort of November time, half of our pitch down the touchline. Um, is an absolute nightmare. Uh, Mike Merriman, uh, known effectively as Mez, the groundsman, does an absolutely phenomenal job with that pitch um, year in, year out, and uh, has worked really, really well to get it to a very good standard. Um, a lot of money's been spent on it. It has been again this summer, so I'm looking forward to seeing how it's grown. Um, but the stadium itself, 
Um, it was very, I'd say, like Meccano set like when it was first redeveloped. But John and Carolyn have, within their you know limits of what they can do, they've done a really good job to make it a, a lot more presentable. Like the car, the car park is now fully tarmacked. Little bits and bobs like that, you know, there are now photos on the walls. You go up to the club bars. There's three different suites um, for match day hospitality and what have you. It's a really nice. Um, really nice place to visit to be honest and uh, a stone throw from from what it used to be there's a nice little 3g pitch outside which the football and the community use for the little kids on, on a match day to get them watching and everything um which is great um it's just a nice community stadium obviously if people will know bishop street is the condemned stand which nobody's in it's just got a tv gantry stuck on the top which is great footage wise when uh, but obviously look at it from the other side when you're in the in the ian greaves stand and off the opposite side of the pitch, the main stand, it's a bit of an eyesore. Um, it will get redeveloped one day, but like John and Carolyn keep saying, it you know, it'll only get redeveloped when we've got the, the need for it, when we've got the fans that want to come in for it. So, you know, when we're in League One and we're getting a few more through the gates, then mm-hmm. then maybe it will be. But you know, they've tried different things with it over the years. They've had it as a massive, massive advertising board, they've had like a uh, um, like a fiber type graphic on it of like images and stuff. And they've tried to do bits and bobs, but I think most Stags fans just accept it for what it is, to be honest. And I think after the 18, 19 months that we've had of not being able to go, I don't think anyone will care. Me, yeah, I agree. I agree. And uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I always wondered, always because yeah, obviously watching, watching games on TV or watching highlights on TV, you only get the view of the the newsstand you mentioned there though Craig about a couple of times about the match day experience and that the clubs uh, mm-hmm. won the woods what's what's I mean what sort of things are the club sort of putting on to to enhance the experience uh, so one of them was the best away fan experience which is great so I obviously can't talk too much about that because I've yeah. never been in the away end. um but, but um they've also won numerous awards for, like for family excellence and stuff they've in the uh the quarry lane and they've built like a, a family room they've like a bit of a void space you mm-hmm. know between the stand and, and the bottom and they've, they've transferred into a family room they've got a family stand there they do lots of deals on family tickets and um, they've got like a little bit of a sensory room as well to care for those who've you know got autistic children and that sort of thing um they just generally make it a, an approachable place to be you know the mascots are nice and friendly um, they trialed something a couple of seasons ago, which I thought was was quite good. Maybe a bit more thought into it might see it develop again, which was like a fan zone experience. So there was like inflatables and, you know, mm-hmm. basketball hoops and stuff outside the ground, which was great. Um, they've developed the bars. You know, it's very cheap there. It's very encouraging. People want to be at the stadium now on a match day rather than, um, you know, going to the pubs around town, which is, you know, a little bit sad for, for those businesses, but Mansfield doesn't have a lot of pubs which are, you know, still open. So um, they're getting a lot of football to the ground. There's a restaurant there which runs throughout the week. Um, there's a function room. There's different other rooms. It's just a, a, an approachable place to mm-hmm. be. I was... We'll get, I'm going to ju- jump a little bit here there because I, I always ask my guests where's the best place to get beer but do, do supporters now then in general, do they go to the ground early on on a match day, obviously pre-COVID uh, but it, was it as it becomes sort of the meeting place for supporters? 
I mean, personally, you're asking the the wrong person. Because <laughs> A, I don't drink, and B, for the past two, th- two or three seasons, I've recently moved jobs, but I actually did work uh, for the club's football in the community department, a separate organisation from the club, but uh, I was their sort of media guy there. So I actually used to deal with the mascots on a match day. So I didn't actually see like the, the fan experiences, but... Uh, to be honest, from what I have seen and, and heard from people, um, you know, walking around the ground and stuff on match day, it's a lot busier than what it used to be. People do tend to to go there, go to Sandy's for, you know, for, for a drink pre-match. But also what they've done now is because Sandy's is, is quite, I wouldn't say small, but there's definitely a limit to, to who can be in there, uh, especially for those who are in the upper tier they've opened the turnstiles a little bit earlier they have a, like a special turnstile open which means you can go in like the kevin bird suite um which is another one of the bars upstairs uh, which basically helps the, the foot the footfall so fans will just tend to go in at like half past one and go into that bar and whatever and then go and take the seat so yeah it's, it's definitely uh it's, it's definitely more of a stadium base it's, it doesn't like, you know, you see some stadiums don't you that have got x amount of things in around the town it just has mm-hmm. a flood of people coming in at five to five to three Mm-hmm. Now it, it tends to get busy from sort of half past one, two o'clock with, with people sort of getting a pre-match drink and everything. So that's that's really nice. I mean, is the is the ground sort of centrally located or is it out? out yeah, in- so um, that that train station which you thought didn't exist, that's a two-minute walk <laughs> um, over the bridge. Um, there's a, a retail park on the other side. You know, you, you McDonald's, your KFCs. Yeah. Burger Kings, there's a bowling in in town, and then it's literally like a three minute walk from town centre, so it's very accessible. Um, which I think you know, it's starting to become rarer and rarer um, mm-hmm. in uh, in football clubs now. Which again, I think is testament to to what the Radfords have done because they had a big battle to purchase the stadium back from the former owner of the of the stadium, Mr. Haslam, um, who I've mentioned one too many times for my liking now. Um, and, uh, you know, they could have just gone, well, do you know what? You have it and you, you, you sell it on and build ours on it. We'll just go and build a stadium, you know, on, you know, on the, on the ring road or whatever, which should have been, you know, in, in the future would have, would probably might still be a thing, but you know, the fans have got a long affinity to that ground. Like I said before, it's the oldest professional football stadium, mm. um, you know, in England or whatever, it's got various records um, for that. So the fans hold it close to the hearts and that was another thing they wanted to do and that's keep it um, and get hold of it. So uh, yeah, it's uh, the accessibility, the fact it's been there for years. um, I think that sort of is a big, big tick box compared to to all the clubs that you see moving like Stadium MK, it's a soulless bowl. Um, You know, other other places, number of teams that we could mention that have sort of moved stadiums to these empty, you know, Meccano set stadiums with, with no life in them. And I think, you know, I think if there's some real flavour of traditional football long-standing in history, then as long as you can keep that candle burning, keep that candle burning. I agree completely with you. I do. I really do. It was a constant discussion last year when I was doing my Scottish series as a number of clubs there have fallen into the same trap. Now, you've, you've mentioned us, some of the stands there while we've been talking, Craig. Well, mm. I mean, sort of the, when we look at the match day experience, the supporter experience, where, where, the, where do the, you know, the noisy ones tend to congregate on a match day? Where's, where's the best so part it, of the ground to go for it's that? Definitely, it's definitely moved over the years. For, for a while, it was the Quarry Lane end, which was behind the goal, um, especially when we were in the conference. The club did like a Quarry Lane membership um, and tried to get a, a lot of the supporters in there. 
But what they found was it was a real struggle um, to create an atmosphere because it was the opposite end of, of, of the ground. And they also wanted a family block in there and it didn't integrate too well. So then they were moved and they went uh, to the opposite end of the ground, um, the Ian Greaves upper um, Q block, um, which is literally right next to the away fans, um, which sometimes can be a good thing, sometimes can be a bad thing. It certainly caused some uh, incidences over the years. Um, most famously, um, a Lincoln player who used to play on loan for uh, at Mansfield, Luke Waterfall, was playing, was playing for Lincoln. I think they scored at that end and... He uh, threw a water bottle up into the into the, into the uh, into the fans, which uh, which wasn't great. Great view, good atmosphere most times, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it's the original creases have definitely been ironed out. It'd be interesting to see what happens as fans uh, as fans return, though, of course. I mean, obviously, you mentioned a couple of things there that the Radfords have been doing to sort of engage and sort of reward almost sort of supporter loyalty and keeping the relationship going. How else over this time when the fans have been away, what things have the other things of the club done to sort of help keep the, you know, the connection with the supporters? It's been a difficult one. Um, obviously, at the start of the pandemic, um, there was a lot of you know calls to fans, well-being calls, and things like that. Um, but the, the difficulty they've had is, like every other business, is a lot of the staff were furloughed for a lot of the time, so it was very much threadbare. They tried to make the match day experiences as as engaging as as they they could do. Uh, they tried to put a lot of eye follow content on there, um, and come up with different. Uh, bits and bobs behind the scenes things um, uh, and that's pretty much it really it's just having a strong strong enough social media presence to to sort of keep mm-hmm. that um, to keep that ticking over I think another thing which they did as well which was the um, the virtual fans forum which was great um, they invited questions in from fans by way of video or by way of email which they then put to, to Nigel Clough and to, uh, to David Sharp the CEO who were very open and honest about an hour and a half worth of answers which was great and really insightful and they've just kept communications channel channels open sometimes there's been a delay in response because of the furloughing and mm-hmm. you know the, the staff numbers and stuff like that but they've generally remained approachable and one thing which they have done and when they were able to was um our club shop wasn't fit for covid um it was very very tiny um but they opened the ticket office window and basically had a dedicated window for you know fan questions ticketing that sort of thing and also for for shop sales and you know moved a lot of it online as well which was which was really good and oh, that's good to hear that it really is you mentioned obviously that you're involved in, with uh, sort of the, the football in the community uh programs there something that's very dear to me uh myself i think it's it's a wonderful wonderful stuff i mean what what programs uh you know, what programs and initiatives do Mansfield run to, to support I, I the community? I, I don't know if I should talk about football in the community because I don't work for them anymore, so they're not paying <laughs> me. So, uh, no, I'm only joking. Um, so, Mans- Mansfield Town Football Community, um, separate organisations of the club, but obviously they share the club name, they're based mm. at the stadium. They do a lot of match day experiences when they were able to, uh, mascot packages and things like that, which I sort of looked after. We had a real good thing with the players. We'd take them into the dressing room beforehand, get autographs, photos, that sort of thing. They'd plan the pitch before the game. They'd go and have a kick about on the 3G pitch. Um, they'd have a scheme for young supporters on a match day, like a stay-all-day club where they could come without the parents and all sit together and make new friendships. So they did that on a match day and then obviously a lot of work, you know, with, with schools and things like that. And then with with others, um, you know, you know, more senior ones, for example, 
um, walking football is a, a good thing, which I was fortunate to do before I moved on to, to my new position elsewhere, was to held a Zoom call with Nigel Clough, which was fantastic with some of the walking footballers, which was uh, a oh, real, great. real pleasure and honour to do. Um, and like little quizzes online and stuff, which the club supported by way of, you know, like sharing the links and the, the stories and that and emailing out to fans, which was great. You know, like we did bingo nights, which I which I was very much a part of. That's what I was sort of paid to do during lockdown, really. And um, put sort of like videos together for the kids, made them like packs to, to do when they were homeschooling and stuff, which was um, which was great. But uh, yeah, they're, uh, they're a small scheme, but they're, the, the staff are very dedicated and, and they certainly work hard and they, they work, you know, hand in hand with the, um, you know, with the club where possible to, you know, to keep that community engagement going. Yeah, that's, that's great. And obviously we've, we're recording this, uh, what, a few, as you said, 24 hours before the first pre-season friendly. Manson, you've, you've been quite active in the transfer market I've seen already, already this summer. Yeah, um, one thing Nigel Clough had to do was sort of rebuild a squad a little bit. Um, there's not been as many outs as what I thought there were. There were a few outs which we're a little bit disappointed with. Obviously, um, Samal Benin um, was released after so many years. We call him Sir because he scored against Chesterfield. Any player that scores <laughs> against Chesterfield gets a knighthood. Um, great servant for the club. He's now signed for Port Vale along with a young goalkeeper, Aidan Stone. Wish them all the best. Uh, Ryan Sweeney was a good popular defender for us as well. He's now up in uh, in, in Dundee. Um, wish him all the best. But, you know, there comes a time where you do have to move on and, and build a new squad. And, you know, we've brought some some good talent in, uh, some exciting names on paper. Um, Danny Johnson, who was at Leighton Orient last year, um, uh, just to name one off the top of my head. Um, we've, we've brought in a, a fair few. We've managed to secure Stephen Quinn on a permanent transfer, which is, which is great. Um, Elliot Hewitt, who yes, he was a relegated team in Grimsby, but I know he was, um, you know, sought highly sought after from from elsewhere. Um, brought in a good few younger players as well, young hungry players, and uh, got a good couple of goalkeepers in on loan as well. So uh, um, on paper it looks good. Um, I'm just looking forward to seeing how it transpires on the pitch now. Um, sadly, one of the goalkeepers is is on loan from Manchester United, Nathan Bishop. He's not going to be available for us probably until like the, the final week of pre-season because he's obviously, you know, with all the Euros and everything, he's, he's been bumped up the list, if you like, for, for United's pre-season. So he'll spend it with them. Um, but we've got a good nucleus of a squad. And um, if we can sort of play the way we did towards the back end of last season, I think we'll be absolutely fine. We've got, for me, and a lot of people say this who aren't Mansfield fans, one of the best midfields in League Two. Ollie Clark, ex-Bristol Rovers, who's now our captain, is fantastic. Um, George Lapsley, who was at Charlton. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we fought off a number of League One and Championship clubs to get him in um, in January on a, on a permanent, which was great after a good little loan spell. Um, Stephen Quinn, as I mentioned, fantastic in there as well. Harry Charlesley, a good talent as well, ex-Everton um, youngster. And then we've got a good couple of young kids coming through, you know, Jason Law, Tyree Sinclair, um, really good prospects. So um, that midfield is very, very strong. Well, yeah, hopeful then for playoffs this season or what would you, what, you know, what's the general feel with the fans? What, int- what are you looking for? Yeah, it's an interesting one because obviously a lot of fans will want to get promotion. We've been in this division for, for a long time now with no success, but um Nigel Clough's not sort of the sort of manager that comes in and gets results overnight. He's a long-term project builder and um, he's still in the early stages of that for me. His first task was to secure survival, which 
if you knew how we played last season when he first came in, it was not a ridiculous statement to make. He did that. Then it was to reduce the wage bill. Um, he did that in January by getting rid of Andy Cook and Nicky Maynard um, out on loan. And they've since subsequently left the club. He's done that with a few other players that have left the club, brought in players on less money um, to try and balance the book, which you've got to do after a season of no fans and no income. Um, and I think it'll be about development. We'll see where we are in January. If we're up and about there, we might, you know, bring one or two more into bolster it and give it a real go this this year. But as long as we finish top 10, maybe a playoff push, I'll, I'll be happy. And then it's, you know, the following season, we back it up, which would have been, um, you know, pretty much 10 seasons since we've been back in, nine seasons since we've been back in the Football League, 10 since we won the conference. So that'd be quite a nice thing to, to do. So 10 years on, go and win another <laughs> with a championship definitely definitely well i wish you the wish you the best of luck for the season it's 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 looking like it's going to be a cracking league to be a part of again there's some mm. some, some great teams there and nice nice to see sutton joining the throw as well a nice new you know new new member of the football league as well i don't know if mansfield have got any yeah I'm, I'm not quite fancying not quite fancying them away on a tuesday night which the fixture <laughs> calendar has done to us but uh, uh, yeah. oh oh well oh well never mind <laughs> never mind but as are the dangers isn't it of this fixture calendar that seems to always you know ignore all signs of logic <laughs> very true very very true now, uh, great. Obviously, uh, we talked a little bit about the podcast at the start of the show. How uh, for people who want to have a listen and perhaps didn't, you know, a bit of curiosity after listening to this, uh, where's the best place to find it? And also, um, how often will you be putting them out this season? So you can find us on all good podcast apps and some of the dodgy ones as well uh, by searching for the Mansfield Matters podcast. Um, or best place to go is social media. It's just facebook.com slash MTFC Matters. Same on Twitter. Um, and then mtfcmatters.co.uk. Um, we've not quite decided yet when this year is going to be because there's been a lot of change since the last time we did it, you know, regularly mm. in, in the week. I've moved jobs, um, which means I'm not at home as, as much now. Um, Nathan, who I mentioned before, my, my friend, um, he's just had a, a baby. Um, another one of the lads has got two young boys as well another one's at uni has moved away so it's a bit difficult now but we're hoping it will go back to our regular slot on a Thursday um, which is probably about seven o'clock ish we always say ish because we're always one or two minutes out but uh, uh, yeah go and have a look on there Um, we do like I said before we broadcast them live so the fans get to have that interaction get to have their say we feel that's really important because no radio station or no other podcast gives that that dedicated live interaction specifically for Mansfield Town Football Club. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something we've been proud to do for the last four series, proud to do again this series. Um, and, you know, we're throwing in other bits and bobs as well with our Stag Story series. So ex- lots of ex-players, you know, they talk more about their time at, at Mansfield Town because that's that's the, the aim of the podcast. But they do have other little bits in there as well and some, some really interesting ones that we've got on there as well. And uh, hopefully touch wood um, in a few months time, we're going to be doing a live event for, for charity as well with a couple of legends. And um, we did one a couple of years ago called legends live. We had um, Paul Cox, the championship winning manager, Adam Murray, who was the captain and Richie Bark, who was a club legend, obviously assistant manager at Rotherham now come down for a night. We packed the bar out and made nearly 500 pounds throughout the Alzheimer's society, which was great. We're hoping to do one this time for Mind because we know that's 
that's very much a passion of ours, mental health, male mental health in particular. Obviously, last year, every football fan will know up and down the country will have heard the sad story of Lee Collins, who's an ex-Mansfield player mm. who, you know, um, sadly took his, took his own life, um, which was really, really sad. Um, we're hoping to, to raise a little bit of money for those charities to help encourage men to, to speak out because that's what our podcast has helped do for us through the medium of football. And it's helped do do that for others, especially over the, the past 18 months with the pandemic. And, uh, you know, long may that continue. So, uh, yeah, if you fancy getting involved with the, the Mansfield based chat, then, uh, you know, feel free to, to come and join us. Yeah, oh, thank you, thank you, and yeah, come on, congratulations on the good work that you're doing there as well, you and, thank the, you. and the rest of the guys. Well, that's it for today, everyone. I, I've I've really enjoyed enjoyed this. I hope you have as well, listening at home. Uh, of course, I'm Adam at Ukrafot24. You can find me across the social media pages as well. Um, don't know where I'm going to be next time, but I'm hope it is as insightful and interesting as this one has been. Well, till then, take care, stay safe, and goodbye for now.